all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. But I want to, I want you to go with me, uh, to Jeremiah. 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 I'm repeating it for people with arthritis. Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah. The 15th chapter. Uh, the 15th chapter. Uh, and I just want to read the, the, the 18th and, and the 8th clause of the 19th verse. From the New King James translation, the Bible says, Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fail? Therefore, thus saith the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back. I'll stop right there. You may be seated in the presence of God. And I want to use for a subject this morning God's purpose for your pain. God's purpose for your pain. Now don't expect me to jump around up here like Brother Miles. I'm going to teach it and then he can come back and preach it, okay? Uh, but America and even our communities is a pain conscious nation and pain conscious communities. Everywhere you look, there are advertisements for painkillers and pain relievers and pain reducers. And so pain is a fact of life. Uh, so much so that the researchers in medical science are constantly introducing new pain-killing formulas into an already overcrowded market. And we've come a long ways with these new drugs, and uh, some of us have been around long enough to remember B.C. powder and, and Dones pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so we progress through aspirin and Tylenol and, and Motrin and Advil, and now we're to things that is hard to pronounce. Ibuprofen, that's how I remember it. And a lot of other things that are designed to relieve our pain. And although, although we try to avoid pain as much as we can, pain is inevitable. Pain is unavoidable. You're going to know some physical pain before you leave here. Most of us are already acquainted with the Wrightus brothers. Y'all know the Wrightus brothers? The senior member of that, of that family is Arthur. Y'all know Arthur Wrightus? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so there's some physical pain that, that we're going to encounter in life. And then, and then you're going to experience some emotional pain. I mean, there are things that happen in our life, Jalen, that, that's gonna trouble us emotionally. It's a part of life. But then we, we experience some, some spiritual pain. And pain as a result of our spiritual condition. And so pain 
what I want you to see is that pain is a part of life. And the world has taught us a lot of myths about pain. Some of these myths, while they may be harmless, they're nonetheless, they're just myths. Some myths are dangerous. One of the most popular myths is that if I ignore my pain, it'll go away. In other words, the myth of the world says if I refuse to think about it, if I pretend that it never happened, if if I just gloss over it, it won't hurt. <clears throat> now beneath that myth is another myth. And that is that it's easier to avoid problems than it is to face them. And this is the reason so many families are falling apart because people have been being convinced that it's easier to walk out than to walk through. And so, and so families tend to disintegrate because people don't want to face their problems. They want to avoid the problem. Uh, there's a very prominent and popular psychologist and author. His name is M. Scott Peck. And he said that almost all of us, to a greater or lesser degree, try to avoid pain, try to avoid problems. Rather than suffering through them, we we try to sidestep them. And as a result, Peck says that this is the primary reason for mental illness. Rather than dealing with our pain and our problem, we try to suppress and avoid it. And the pressure of that process seems to drive us insane. But long before psychiatrists and psychologists began to tell us that God in his word admonished us, don't curse your crisis, but bless your buffeting. Because God is using whatever he's allowed to come into your life for good. All things work together for good. That did say all things are going to be good. And while you're going through it, it might not seem like it is good, but to the child of God, all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Now you have to understand that pain, pain is like, is like a warning signal. You know, Joe, how you're driving down the highway and a light comes on in your car and your dashboard and it's a warning. You're low in gas or your tires are lower. Something's going, a warning signal. Well, that's what pain is. You would agree with me that it's dangerous to ignore a warning signal. A warning signal will leave you on the side of the road, Tony. A warning signal will cause you to have an accident that you didn't plan on. And it's danger to ignore it in your car. It's dangerous to ignore it at a signal light. And God knows it's dangerous to ignore a warning signal at a railroad crossing. Twelve months from now, you could be a one-year-old statistic. By the same token, it's dangerous to ignore the signal of pain. God allows pain to come into our lives. Because pain is a warning signal. I'll be where you want me in a moment. And that warning signal says something is wrong. And when that signal is there, God intends for you to pay attention. Because if you don't pay attention, 
to the warning signal. I stopped by to tell you it only gets worse. And I know in a crowd like this, all of us at some time or another have had to deal with God's warning signals. And I would hazard to think that right now somebody looking at me, God has a signal going off in your life. And you're wondering why the pain? Why me? Why now? Why this? A warning signal. Now, when there's pain, the obvious question is, why? Why this trouble? Why this problem? Why this headache? Why this pain? When you can't find any reason, it's harder to deal with the pain. I mean, pain is one thing, but if you don't know why you're having the pain, then it's much harder to deal with. So this morning, I want to, I want to walk you through at least five things that God says in His Word about pain. And hopefully, you can apply all of these things into your life. And I hope you're interested in hearing these because it'll help you. Now, the overarching question is, how can God use my pain for my good. I mean, he says it in the verse. All things work together for good. All things, including pain, work together for our good. So how does pain work towards my good? Well, the first thing you need to know about pain is that God uses my pain to goad to me. Now, this word goad is a term that historically was used for a pointed stick or, or an electronic rod. And the pointed stick or electronic rod was used for the purpose of prodding cattle. Some folks use them for dogs, but primarily they were used for cattle and for goats. And uh, they would guard, uh, a goad rather, they would goad the cattle. So the word goad means to, to incite. It means to, to spur on. It means to urge. It means to motivate. It means to stimulate. And so what I'm saying is that God uses pain to stimulate and to motivate us. Nothing motivates me like pain. And nothing motivates you like pain. Now I don't know about you, but I hate going to the dentist. But let me tell you something. If the pain gets bad enough, I'm going to say, get me to the dentist. I don't care. What it cost, I don't care what I have to go through, but I gotta get rid of this pain. So God uses pain to help me overcome my fear so that I'm ready to go. God uses pain to motivate us. Somebody looking at me right now, I stop by to tell you he'll motivate you to get closer to him. He'll motivate you to give him your full unadulterated attention. God will go to you so that you draw closer to him. Now, now, trouble, trouble is like hot water. You know the old adage that says you don't know what's in a tea bag till you drop it in hot water? And whatever's in it will come out. Well, trouble is hot water. 
pain is hot water. And God uses it to motivate us. It uses us to reveal who we are. Very, uh, very important for us to understand that God doesn't use pain because he dislikes us. God doesn't use pain because we did something to tick him off. God doesn't use pain because he's retaliating against us. That's not why God uses pain. God is using pain to make us cry and say, as long as I live and trouble rises, I will hasten to your throne. We want to draw closer to God because he's the only solution for our pain. Are you like me? I, I pray. I pray every day. But, but when pain comes, I, I really, really pray, pray. I tell you, uh, I had a pain a few years ago in my back. And I literally couldn't get out of the bed. Now I pray every day, Jesse, but when that pain hits you, y'all ever had back pain? When that pain hits you, it's unlike any other pain. And I really prayed to God to remove the pain because I know I know the doctors can do what they can do, but they can't do what God can do. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. In other words, some of us have to hit rock bottom. And God knows how we are. There are some of us in this room right now that are, there are things in our lives that we know we need to change. But we're not going to change them until God sends enough pain into our lives. You see, pain forces us to do what we don't necessarily want to do. Pain compels us to do what we don't necessarily like to do. There's something about spirituality that even though we give our allegiance verbally, it's hard for us to give it in a practical and and an everyday kind of way. And so even though we claim it, we don't always have it. And so God allows pain to, to nudge us, to, to motivate us, to spur us on to get closer to Him. And let, let me say it this way. God whispers when everything is going well in our lives. But through our trouble and through our pain, God shouts at us in order to get our attention. So, it's hard to hear the Lord well when things are going well. It's hard to hear the Lord when the refrigerator is full of food. It's hard to hear the Lord when our children are acting all right. It's hard to hear the Lord when we got a dollar or two in our bank account. It's hard to hear the Lord when our car is running well and we ain't having no hellacious supervisors on our job. It's hard to hear the Lord when everything is going smooth in our lives. But when trouble comes... We hear the shout of the Lord through the avenue of pain. You ever seen anybody that didn't recognize what pain was? I mean, all of us recognize what pain is. We got to recognize when God is in our lives and he's trying to get our attention through spiritual pain, through circumstances of our lives that will make us draw closer to him. Now, now, if you have enough pain, and it just keeps going. Pain could end up in death. God is trying to get our attention before we get to that point. Now I'm not necessarily talking about 
physical death, although it includes that. I'm talking about spiritual death. Death where, death where, where we become dead to God's word, God's way, God's people, God's plan. We become dead to that. I read somewhere where the Bible says he'll send you a, a strong delusion to believe a lie and then send you to hell for it. So we got to be very careful. We got to be very careful. That's what happened to the prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son. He had it made. I mean, his father had everything. He was living the good life. Had everything that he wanted. But he got beside himself. He got beside himself and he said, listen, give me what's mine and I'm going to go and do my thing. And the Bible says he went to a, to a foreign country. And he spent his life in righteous living. He spent his life doing his thing. But you know, somebody told me, it might have been my mother, says, son, what goes around comes around. And so he kept on doing his thing until he ran out of resources. And let me just pause here for station identification. You can have friends when you got a lot of stuff and things. Your friends will flock around you when you got stuff. They'll hang tough with you when you got, but let your resources run out. They say, I'll stick with you through thick and thin, but when your money runs out, it becomes very thin to them. And so, and that's what happened to the prodigal son. The prodigal son ran out of resources. But I give him credit for one thing. He had sense enough to return to his father. He said, I can go back to my father. I don't have to have status again. I just want to be treated like a hired servant. Just give me, just give me some. Hired servants got food to eat, got a place to stay. How hungry are you this morning? And more importantly, do you have sense enough to know that when you're in want, when you need to return to the father? That's what's important. So, so not only does God use pain to go you, but secondly, he uses my pain to guide me. In James 3 and 3, James says, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we may turn the whole body. In other words, I don't know if you farmers in here know what a, a bit is, but it's something you put in a horse's mouth, and you take a little bit, and it controls a, a two-ton, 2,000-pound horse, because you can turn it whatever way he wants to turn it. And God uses the bit of pain to put in our mouth so that so 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 that he knows that without the bit we're gonna go in whatever direction we want to go in. But when he places the bit of pain in our mouths and he knows he can turn us in a different direction and that direction ought to be back towards him because he's controlling the bit. And God wants to move us in a certain direction uh, so that we won't go in with some pain and lose out on blessings. So he guides us through our pain. And let me share a personal experience with you, and perhaps your experience may be similar. But every time God wants to do a major thing in my life, he sends some pain. And I can remember vividly uh, before I moved to Bloomington, how God sent personal pain in my life to turn me in the right direction. Y'all sitting there saying, wonder what, what happened? What did he do? None of your business. 
But he used pain in my life to turn me in the right direction. And I stopped by to tell you this morning, he'll put some pain in your life to turn you in the right direction. He'll cause some disharmony in your household. He'll turn your, 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 your good job into unemployment. He'll turn your good running car into a pile of junk. He'll do a lot of things in your life just to turn you in the right direction. And so, and so, and so he'll use pain to guide you. But thirdly, as I hasten on, God uses my pain to gauge me. The word gauge means to measure or a measurement. Watch this. A measurement according to a standard. It's not just a measurement, but according. So God wants to measure you. God wants to measure you against not somebody else. Marcus talked about it in Bible study this morning. He's not measuring me against Joe or Joe against uh, Jarrell. Uh, He's measured us against his standard. And so he uses pain to gauge us. To gauge us. He, he, he wants us to become closer and closer to the standard that his son Jesus left us. So he uses it to help measure the depth of my spirituality. And a lot of us think that we're spiritual. We talked about this in Bible class this morning. Thinking ourselves more highly than what we are. A lot of times we think we're spiritual. Oh, well, 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 I came to church last Sunday. Uh, I sing and I clap and I shout. I, 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 I got my Bible loaded on my electronic device that I can, uh, when I'm not texting, I can, uh, I can, uh, pull up a Bible verse. Uh, well, excuse me. Uh, I can pull up a Bible verse, uh, because I have prayer and devotion in the morning time. Lord, deliver me from people. I can't tell you how many people I run up on, Carolyn. And I say, you know, we missed you. You've been gone three or four weeks of Clarence. I said, we missed you. Oh, Pastor, I pray every day. Okay. But that's not the gauge of your spirituality because you pray every day. We can go through the Bible and see a lot of people that prayed. They weren't right in the sight of God. So prayer is not, the, now it's important, I'm not minimizing prayer, but that's not the only, that's not the only thing that gauges our spirituality. What do I give of myself to God? Do I give my time to God? Or is he relegated to second or third or fourth or fifth on my list of priorities? Do I give him my abilities? I got all these abilities I use on my job, I use in the community, but I can't give my abilities to the Lord. And oh, by the way, it's not always about ability. Sometimes it's about availability. You see, here's the thing. You can have all the ability in the world, but if you're not available... Then it doesn't count for anything. But you may not have any ability. But if you're available for God, God will develop the ability in you. And so, and so you gotta understand, you gotta understand that, that just because you say I do these little things, that's not the proper gauge. Because I lead, or I preach, or I teach. Well that ain't all there is to it. God has to gauge your spiritual life. What is it about your life? That meets up with the standard that I've set. So, so he lets something come into your life. Because pain is a, pain is like an x-ray that God can see. Everything that you're thinking, 
everything that you're doing. And sometimes we, I think sometimes we think we're hiding from God. We can come here on Sunday and, and put up a facade about how things are. But God has got the x-ray to look at your life, look beyond everything that you are showing and see what you are on the inside. That's why the song says he can look beyond my faults and see my needs. God sees our needs and so he gauges us based upon our needs. And so sometimes God sends things to you. Sometimes it comes in the form of of sadness. Sadness or sorrow. Sometimes it comes in the form of of sickness. But sometimes it comes in the form of saints. God will allow sickness to come into your life. He'll allow sorrow to come into your life. But then he sometimes he allows a saint to come into your life to help you turn in the right direction. And so and so God gauges us through our pain. And so all of us can look like we're spiritual. All of us can appear to be mature. All of us can appear to have it all together. But on the inside, on the inside, Jesus told the Pharisees in in Matthew 23, you appear to be beautiful outwardly, but he said on the inside, you're like dead men's bones full of uncleanliness. God looks on the inside. Oh, we can come and we can put on looking good and we can compliment each other and all of that. But what about on the inside? God knows our very thoughts. You know if he can, if he can number the hairs on our head, you know if he can, if he can count the grains of, of sand on the, on the seashore. Don't you know he can look into our hearts and know what we're thinking? Hmm. Who does he think he is talking to me? Hmm. Who does she, she think she is? Can say this to me. Well, this was by, for those of y'all who not in Sunday school tomorrow, if it's about the word of God, it ain't about the messenger. It's about the message. It's about the message that's being delivered. So the hardest thing for us to do is to do right when we've been done wrong. Say that again. The hardest thing for us to do is to do right when we've been done wrong. Think about that. Because when you've been done wrong, it's, it's painful. And then we resort to that old carnal nature of retaliation and getting even with people. And the Lord says, hold up. Slow your roll. The Lord said, vengeance is mine. God said that vengeance is mine. Sometimes we want to take vengeance, Joe. We want to, we want to take God's place. Absolutely. Thank you. Judge, jury, and execute. God said, don't come over in my territory. You just stay in your lane. Vengeance is mine. And not only will I get the one that hurt you, I'll get you for hurting back. So he lets you. Gauge your growth. He lets you gauge your maturity. He lets you gauge your patience. He lets you gauge your, 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 your tolerance. He lets you gauge your commitment. 
And he uses pain to gauge. He wants you to look at yourself and see where you are. Can you hold your peace in time of trouble? Gauge where you are. Think about this. When everything is going all right, we're concerned about our image. I want to be in control of the image that I project. That I'm mature and I'm spiritual. You see, when you feel good, you want to look good. In fact, when you feel good, you even walk a certain way. You know how that goes. When you're feeling good, you 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 got your strut on, you cool and all of that. Got your swag on. You know, you want to walk in a certain way. You got your weave going on. Got your manicure and your pedicure. You, you, you got all of that going on. Got your St. John's dress on and your bonnet suit on and all of that. Because you're concerned about your image. Oh, but when you get sick, when you get the flu or pneumonia, you don't, you don't really care what you look like. Some of you don't even comb your hair. Won't put on no clothes. May not even take a shower. Because when pain comes, when sickness comes, you're not concerned about your image then. All I'm praying for is for God to help me to feel better. I'm not too concerned about my image when I'm sick. And God says that right where you want, where I got you is where I want you. Because I don't want you to be nearly as concerned about your image as you are about your character. I'm not working on your image, but I'm working on your character. And I let pain come into your life because pain will test your character. Character is what you are when nobody's looking. Image is what people see, but character is when nobody's looking what you really are. Image is what people think you are. But character is what you really are behind closed doors. It's kind of like gold, Jalen. When you get the rough product of gold, it's all rough and raggedy looking. But guess what you have to do to gold? You have to put it in the fire and you have to melt it down and get rid of all the impurities out of the gold so you can have a pure thing. And guess what? When you do that, it's gold all the way through. You could break it open and it's still gold on the inside. But that, that rough product before the impurities are removed, you break it open, it's all kinds of impurities on the inside. So God he sends us through the fire sometimes. He sends us through the fire so that, so that, so that we can get rid of all the impurities. The impurity of immaturity, the impurity of a, of a bad temper, the impurities of an immoral life. God sends us through the fire so that he can purify us for his purpose. The text did say all things work together for good for those that love God are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for our lives. So God sends you through the fire to allow you to burn away that image so that you can see the real thing, the pure you. And if you let him, he'll burn off the immaturity in your life. If you let him, he'll refine your ego. If you let him, he'll burn off the selfishness in your life. If you let him, he'll burn off malice and anger and bitterness in your life. If you let him. 
If you let him, he'll burn off pride. He'll burn off envy. He'll burn off jealousy. If you let him, he'll burn it all off. If you let him. Pain is never easy. It can even make us cry. But if we can accept our pain for God's intended purpose, John says in Revelations 21.4, God will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. He says there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. He says the former things will have passed away. I'm trying to tell you what God sent pain in order to accomplish. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to a pain-free life. I got to close. I don't have time to develop these last two points, but let me just run over them very quickly. God not only uses our pain to goad us, not only does he use it to guide us, not only does he use it to gauge us, but God uses my pain to grow me. Pain is a high cost of spiritual growth. Now, if God, if we could do it, we would just grow in it up by ourselves and we just continue to grow in our maturity and all of that. But the fact of the matter is, very rarely do we grow without the aid of something else. A baby can't grow without formula and milk and then up to meat and all of that. And so, and so God uses our pain to grow us. Grow us into maturity. Grow us into the things that he's purposed us to be. Grow us beyond those carnal things in our lives. Grow us beyond the pettiness that so many times surfaces. God uses pain to grow us in that area. And then finally, God uses pain to guard me. Pain, God, pain protects me from things that we shouldn't do. You know, we always use the illustration of a a little baby touching the stove. And that pain is to guard us. It only usually only takes one time. And they know how to stay away from that. All of the stuff that, that God allows to come into our lives. God uses pain to guard us from things that will end up in destruction and disaster for us. But we got to recognize that God allows those pains. It's not happenstance. It's not coincidental. It's not incidental that, that we go through some things that we go through in life. God uses that to goad us, to guide us, to gauge us, to guard us. He uses that in order that we might be what he's purposed us to be. Pain is a reality in life. Y'all know the story of Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Anybody know about Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner? Y'all remember them? You remember, don't you, Joe? I see you smiling. Coyote was always trying to get Roadrunner. Always trying to destroy him. What did he Always trying to destroy him. But, 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 but Roadrunner was smart. Every time he escaped, what would he say? Deep, deep. Deep, deep. Coyote pushed him off of a cliff. He thought he was done. He fell down there and Coyote said, I got him. He jumped up. Deep, deep. Did all kinds of things to him. He, he, he just did everything. Every time he, everything he did to him, Coyote would, uh, uh, Roadrunner would overcome it. Deep, deep. Finally said, I figured it out. I know what to do. Planted some dynamite around him, Jada. He's asleep. Planted dynamite around him and set the dynamite off. Boom! And all of the 
dust and stuff over there, Tony, dust. And, and he said, oh, I got him. He saw ashes and everything. And all of a sudden from that dust, he saw rope runner, shake it off. Beep, beep. All I'm trying to get you to see is with God, with God, we can overcome anything that comes. Beep, beep. Oh, Satan's going to send something at you. But beep, beep. God will allow you to overcome whatever Satan, coyote represents Satan, whatever coyote puts in your way, God will allow you to escape it. It may look like it's not. I read, I heard in the song, I'm so glad that trouble don't last always. Trouble's going to come into our lives, but with God, with God, beep, beep. Share one other thing with you, and I'm closing. Sister Jay watches a, a, a channel. We had to get rid of a, a Comcast because they were too expensive. So we got Hulu. We got Hulu. And there's a channel on there called Cozy. C-O-Z-I. Cozy. And they show all these old TV movies from way back. And there's a TV movie that Sister Jay loves to watch. And I watch it every now and then when I get a minute. Columbo. And you know, back in the day, I thought, Linda, I thought Columbo was the smartest guy on earth. Because he could solve any problem, Jalen, in 30 minutes, the problem solved. And I said, my goodness, what a smart guy Columbo is. And then when I got old enough, I understood that Columbo wasn't nothing but a great B actor named Peter Falk. Yeah. That's all he was. He wasn't that smart at all. But you know who the genius was? The genius was the one that wrote the script. Because he knew no matter what trouble Colombo got in, before that 30 minutes was up, he was going to escape. And all I'm trying to get you is, get you to understand is, the writer, the creator of our script of life. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand is, that we can solve any problem in life if we just, just know who the script writer is. And whatever you do, as an actor, don't forget your lines. Don't forget your lines. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't forget your lines. I'm trying to tell you that when we hold on to God's unchanging hand, I stop by to tell you that there's no problem, no pain that's insurmountable, that we can't overcome, but we got to be wrapped in his amazing grace. We gotta stay under the shadows of his wings. We gotta do what he says do, when he says do it. And no matter whatever you face, as old folks say, come hell or high water, we can get through it. Whatever comes your way. Yeah, 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 you may not have a job right now, but hold on to his hands. Oh, there may be trouble in your household right now, but hold on to his hands. No matter what happens, if you hold on to God's hand, engage yourself by his standards. I promise you, and I'm talking from personal experience, I promise you he'll get out of whatever you're in. But you can't abandon the ship. You remember in Acts 27 when, when that ship, uh, broke up? It broke up and, 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 and all the people on board, 272 people I believe were on board. And the ship crashed and, and, uh, they thought they were all going to be lost. But Paul told them, set all of you, grab hold to boards and broken pieces. And they made it safely. You may only have 
a piece of job right now. You may not have a job at all. You might not have a piece of husband or a piece of wife or a piece of children. But grab hold to your peace. Grab hold to your, you may, you may not have a house. Maybe all you got is an apartment. You may not have a Rolls Royce, but maybe all you got is a hoopty. But hold on to your peace. Hold on to your peace with one hand and the hand of God and the other hand. And I promise you'll make it to safety. All I'm trying to get you to see is pain is just an avenue to overcoming the obstacles of life. Just trying to tell you. Pain is not the problem. Pain is the solution to the problem. You may be here and you've not named the name of Jesus. You come to God by hearing his word, hearing how he, Jesus was all snug up in heaven. But God looked over the canopy of heaven and looked down and saw man wallowing in a cesspool of sin and immorality. And so he plucked the fairest flower that blossomed in his garden and he sent us a savior. Came down through 42 generations and touched down one starry night in Bethlehem. Went about doing nothing but good, but bad came to him. That's why I know bad things can happen to good people. But Jesus held on to his father's hand and eventually he died. But the good news is he got up for our salvation. And I'm trying to tell you that if you hold on to his hand, we can be with him. You got to hear that grand old story. And then you got to believe it with all of your heart. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6, 11 and 1, without faith it's impossible to please God. Verse 6. Yeah. And, and verse 1.